this week on the Happy Half Hour. There are going to be a lot of guys popping up, whether it's on the waiver wire, whether it's trade talk, whether it's bringing in some veterans. I think there's an opportunity for some movement inside that group. So if you're out there trying to create your own 53-man roster, I'm just going to promise you you're wrong. Touchdown, Carolina! It's time for the Happy Half Hour with your friends, Kristen Balboni, Augusta Stone, and Darren Gant. Hello, friends. Welcome to another episode of the Happy Half Hour. 100% pure Panthers content from me, Darren Gant, her Augusta Stone. And even though I believe in truth in advertising, this may not actually be an entire happy half hour. It'll be entirely happy, but maybe not an entire half hour. We'll just kind of see how it goes once we start jabbering about all the latest and what's coming in the next couple of days here in the world of the Carolina Panthers. Hi, Augusta. Hello, Darren, and hello, everyone. I think I was telling Darren right before we we hit record that we could probably ramble on for 30 minutes about anything. It's just a matter of whether or not we want... To record it for the world to hear. I know I can talk forever about any topic. Just give it to me and I'll find a stream of consciousness to to ride the wave of, I fear. We're aware. <laughs> I am a no. chatty Kathy sometimes, I can't <laughs> lie. Usually at the most inopportune moments. I'm the type of person, this kind of loops back to the last game because we got back pretty late from the New York game, being a 7 p.m. kickoff and getting on the plane immediately after. And... Um, Whenever I reach a certain point of exhaustion, I get really, really talkative. And that's usually the time when I'm texting my friends and they're trying to go to bed and I'm like thinking about different ways to save, like solve world problems or, you know, new ideas here and like, like usually there's a point in my exhaustion where I do just continue to ramble and ramble and ramble. And uh, that's relevant because I almost got to that point when I got home at an unforeseeable hour. On Friday morning or Saturday morning. I don't even know what day of the week it was. Yeah, that's (laughs) a theme of this podcast, I think. What day is this? Um, We're almost there. We're almost there. We should have a bit. But it's, yes, we're almost at the end of the preseason. And we're almost at the point where things normalize in terms of schedule and also the football and perhaps the expectations. This has been, I I think, for a lot of people, a really weird offseason because you go through the process of hiring a new coach, bringing in a whole new cast of characters, especially on offense, basically a brand-new set of skill position talent, knowing what's to come into the draft, then trading for the number one pick, then landing Bryce Young, and all the attendant excitement that came with it. And it's like there's been this four months of anticipation. And now when we get to the preseason and Frank Reich and Bryce Young and the Carolina Panthers offense do not look like Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid and the Kansas City Chiefs immediately, I think people started freaking out. And I think that's probably normal considering all the buildup of the last four months. But it it always kind of makes me giggle, uh, for lack of a better word, and sometimes I do giggle, that, (laughs) you know, people get so lathered up about the preseason. I, I was telling somebody the story the other day. In 2001, when the Panthers won the opener and proceeded to lose the next 15, the new coach, John Fox, comes in the door and says, you know, everything's brand new, blah, blah, blah. John's bringing all this excitement. They lose their first preseason game. And I I didn't tweet out because tweeting wasn't a thing in 2002, but I wrote somewhere that the Panthers hadn't won a game in 348 days. John took a dim view of that. He's like, you know how unimportant these games are, don't you, Darren? 
And I said, yes, John, I'm aware. And then they lost the next week, and it was 355 days or whatever the math turned out to be. And he, didn't, he took a dim view of that as well. So anyway, the results of these games are hardly important at all, uh, the Baltimore Ravens notwithstanding. <laughs> but at the same time, there are things that I think you can draw from this. I mean, the, with this offense, everything is new, and Frank Reich has been offered a number of opportunities to talk about – kind of the goal for this offense, and he has pretty steadfastly leaned toward we don't want to show a lot more so than we need to get Bryce X, Y, and Z before the start of the regular season. Exactly, and like you mentioned before I, or during um, when you were speaking just then, I think it is one of the times, ironically, because the Panthers really didn't have much of an off season. Like you mentioned, you went through kind of the laundry list of New coaches, trading up, draft, free agency, like all of the stuff that was going on. It feels like things calmed down, ironically, during like training camp, just in terms of so much coming at us. It's like you you were able to get into some sort of rhythm, have an idea of what's going on. And the preseason, I, Frank Reich has kept it really well in perspective, I think, because like you mentioned, they really are meaningless games in terms of result, in terms of points. Um, of course, they'll always say they want to win, but but in terms of just their evaluation, I mean, they're getting more time for the guys that they're not. Tuesdays, the roster cutdown day is looming, and they're getting time to, to look at those guys. I think, too that between when we were here last week to now there are more things to talk about that you know happened you know you can say okay Bryce Young and the offense hasn't haven't reached the end zone yet first teamers but they did lead that field goal drive and there were some mistakes and I think if you want to to talk about that one drive that got you know pretty far down and then ended up being pushed back and then ended up being a Matthew Wright field goal but I think um one thing you can talk about there is is that, you know, it showed movement. That's good. It showed very, very long drive. I don't remember if it was seven minutes or ten minutes. It was really long, though. And I think I think that's the kind of progress. But when you have those kind of things that where you push back, you want to see that in the preseason so you can go ahead and squash it. Um, I think I think that's, you know, they, they can take positives from it and they have time before Atlanta. They'll also have, you know, a relatively a fuller cast of characters. You know, Eddie Pinheiro talked yesterday. He sounds like he's going to be back. I think, I think there's – there's pieces to maybe be concerned about, but I think, and I do think things have calmed down too. Like between the Jets and the Giants game, I think we're not as much so. When you hear things on the outside, it's not as panicked, which is good. Um, so, because I remember last week we came in here and we were like, ugh, and this week it's not as bad. So, yeah. Hey, listen, in the course of a regular season, a good old 15 play, 70 yard, 10 minute field goal drive. That's a good thing, Absolutely. not a bad thing. I, I'm old enough that I appreciate that. And, you know, if you think back to second half of last year, controlling the clock, keeping the ball on the ground was a pretty big element of that. And and listen, here are things we've seen in the preseason. A little bit of Bryce Young, a little bit of this, a little bit of that. Things we haven't seen. Game planning. Mm-hmm. Uh, strategy. Miles Sanders who is going to be a really big part of this offense. I, I think that as much as anything, you know, they are going to lean on him. One of the themes, um, I've mentioned this with different people in interviews before on radio and podcast, if you're thinking about the overarching theme of this offseason, everything's been about protecting Bryce Young, mm-hmm. even before he walked in the door. What'd they do? They built this staff full of all these elders, and I'm constantly amazed when I walk in the cafeteria and Jim Caldwell stand there eating breakfast. <laughs> uh, it's just a great coach, not a good coach, with this extra job and ill-defined responsibilities. 
Jim Caldwell, Josh McCown, Thomas Brown, Frank Reich, everything was done to protect that quarterback from a coaching standpoint. Then they go out in free agency and they find the easy targets, a tight end in Hayden Hurst, a slot receiver in Adam Thielen, a high volume back in Miles Sanders who can also catch the ball. Everything's been done to make this guy's life easier from day one before he walked in the door. So now this preseason has been about continuing to protect him by, A, not leaving him out there for too long, you know, not showing a lot of the cool new stuff they want to try to do, but also just kind of getting through this thing without drama. Someone asked me, one of my uh, friends, Tom Pelissero from NFL Network, was in town the other day, and he asked how training camp was, and he said, hadn't really been a lot of drama. And I said, that's a good, that's a good thing. <laughs> Nobody likes drama in training camp because usually training camp drama is bad. So if you get through this entire process, uh, no gigantic injuries, no big upheavals, no big contract drama or anything like that, I, that's a great thing for everybody involved. So it's, uh, you know, just mentioning the injuries, I, I think it's probably worth pointing out. I've seen some concern online uh, about the numbers of guys. The one thing I know, and this isn't exactly breaking news or anything, but just from talking to people around the building, the only guy we know isn't playing in Atlanta is Austin Corbett, who's coming off an ACL and wasn't expected to play in the opener anyway. None, none of the other of this laundry list of injuries that you see on Panthers.com on a daily basis, and we appreciate you doing that, uh, are considered the kind of big you know, long-term, big, dramatic, miss a chunk of the regular season kind of stuff. There's a lot of uh, dings, the things that come at the end of a long and fairly physical training camp, and they've gotten after it this week. I mean, the two practices, Monday, Tuesday, I believe it was, or Sunday, Monday, whatever the sequence, again, don't ask me what day of the week it is. Um, Those two practices this week were pretty intense. First one in pads, second one was long, even though it was in shorts and shells. It, guys are getting after it, and there's a physical toll that comes with that, but it's almost like building up a callus. You know, they're going to work them hard, and then they're going to pull back. There's going to be some breaks in this thing, and players are about to get a three-, four-day break before they go into the regular season, and everybody needs it. But before they got to that, they wanted to push them. They wanted them conditioned because, you know, I, I remember opening seasons in Tampa Bay and seeing guys gassed on either side of the field. Because if you're not conditioned to go into what used to be a 16, now 17-game regular season, it's going to be a long one. Exactly. And another thing that um, has been mentioned, and I think this is a good segue into the next kind of big thing on the schedule after the preseason game is when the the cutdown date, which is Tuesday, and it's all down to 53 on one day versus last year and years prior. Um, but just kind of like you mentioned with injuries, one, they're inevitable. Two, they're not, like you said, like overwhelmingly serious ones. Like, I mean, to be honest, like we saw last year um, at this point, I think preseason kind of dinged them up quite a bit last year. Um, but also it, it gives you a chance to see some depth pieces develop the depth piece. And then it's going to inevitably happen, like you mentioned, with a 17-game schedule, regardless of how conditioned you get. You're going to have to look at those guys either way. And I think that it's not necessarily the most negative thing in the world to kind of be able to pull back certain guys. I mean, we've seen a lot of Chuba Hubbard and Raheem Blackshear just thinking about Miles Sanders getting back this week and and just those opportunities now versus, you know, week six, week seven, whenever it'll inevitably fall that one guy might get a, 
you know, a hamstring here. One guy might get, you know, a little sprain here. Like it's going to, it's going to happen. But um, I was going to ask you as the date kind of looms, who are you looking for in this game specifically to kind of make a splash or maybe have extra opportunities with, with the guys that, that you're thinking that they, they might, you know, hold over other than your, your obvious starters and your ones, the yeah, twos and threes. I think there's a couple of guys and, and again, with cuts looming, there's always those guys on the bubble and people want to hear about guys on the bubble. I think when you, Think about a situation where DJ Chark, Terrace Marshall probably aren't going to play mm-hmm. tomorrow night. Then you start looking down the line, and, and Derek Wright is going to get a lot of play in time. Javon Wims is going to get a lot of play time. I know you you like a dog on the roster. So Wims <laughs> sure is Wims has been interesting, and, and where I think he's got an opportunity here, if you look over the scope of all these wide receivers that everybody's planning on making the team – there aren't a lot of them that you think of as a core special teams kind of guy. And Wims is a big physical dude who, as we are aware, is not afraid of contact. Um, so I think the opportunity for guys like that to show, okay, Chris Tabor, you can trust me. I can be one of your guys and also contribute uh, during the regular season, potentially some on offense. Frank's talked about you know, guys he's had in the past who make teams that way as special teamers and end up being parts of offense. So um, I think Wims is a guy who's got an opportunity there. Derek Wright has always had good hands and knows how to get himself open. Um, And he's been a little dinged up himself, but he's shooting to come back this week. You know, you see him walking around the facility and he's upbeat and ready to go after being you know, kind of on the mend a little bit. So I think there are a number of those guys, whether it's those two on the offensive line, young guys like some of the undrafted rookies, Nash Jensen, Ricky Lee, or guys who have caught some eyes. You know, there are a couple of them out there. And with defensive linemen, whether it's Nick Thurman, LeBrian Ray, some of those guys who aren't necessarily household names are going to have opportunities to create roles for themselves with what happens this week in the game and then – coupled with the body of work they've presented so far in training camp. I think Raekwon Williams, goodness gracious, his name is difficult to say sometimes, but uh, Raekwon Williams is one of those guys that I feel like if he has a similar showing to he did last week in New York, that he's really going to make a good case for himself. He was all over the field, especially against the Giants' second team um, up in New York. I was writing, writing his stat line last night. I think he had two where he had a tackle for loss a sack kind of paired together and then two quarterback pressures I think um just kind of making the day really really tough for them and uh he he was one of those guys that I think at least during camp that I didn't pay too much attention to um and then saw him kind of flash like that I think if he gets another preseason game flash I mean Look, it's kind of like what Frank Reich has been saying. You know, you say these preseason games and you're so concerned about the 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 um, the point totals. But in his experience, one, at playing in the league, but also coaching in the league, he said that his memories aren't necessarily about the score. They're more or less about, you know, oh, I remember this guy flashing. I remember this play. I remember this kind of thing. And he's a guy, I think, that could really capitalize on it and find himself some sort of role. He's been here for a minute. He was a practice squad holdover, I believe. And, and I think he looked really comfortable and, I mean, just very splashy along that defensive line. Again, like you you said on top of the Brian Rays and the uh, the Nick Thurmans of the of the roster, I think that there's there's a lot of opportunity there behind those guys um, to really see what they have to do. But I agree. I was also going to make a mention of Nash Jensen and Ricky Lee. I think this game is also really really important for them just to see what their role will end up being, especially with 
Cade Mays and that next thing are just now getting back to practice and you know that the role that they have to fill in um, at right guard there's a lot of opportunities for guys to maybe get some more play some more looks and they hadn't they wouldn't have had previously so I think it's another big game for them too I think the lines are some really good places to look at guys where oh maybe this guy will will be a like you said a bubble guy just making it in um I, those are two two groups that I've kind of honed in on with opportunities. And I think too one of one of my favorite um, malapropisms I, I think people use this time of year when cuts come down next Tuesday, people will say the final fifty three man roster. Mm. It is nothing resembling final. This thing is going to be a work in progress over the course of seasons, as as we've all seen. But I, I get the impression that this year. Um, has the opportunity for a little more of that movement next Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, as they go into the holiday weekend uh, break, which is the last one for a long time. But I, I think there is an opportunity for movement because when you're trying to put together something brand new, you know, I go back to the very start of free agency. One of the fr- in the first week, they go out and sign Shy Tuttle and Deshaun Williams immediately because yep. they needed linemen to be able to line up in a 3-4, and there's a particular body type they're looking for. They would love to find some guys who were in that six foot five, 320-pound, long-armed kind of profile. Now, that's not necessarily what Shine and Deshaun are, but those are guys who have proven they can play this kind of football. I mean, especially Deshaun. He was out there in Denver with this coaching staff and, and playing pretty well. So they've got a couple of parts in those two. And – uh, Derek Brown, obviously, who's going to be a big part of this defense, but they, they need to supplement that. And that's why I mentioned Thurman and LeBron Ray a second ago. There are going to be a lot of guys, a lot of names popping up, whether it's on the waiver wire, whether it's trade talk, whether it's bringing in some veterans um, who are kind of on the street for different reasons right now. I think there's an opportunity for some movement inside that group so trying to project if you're if you're out there trying to create your own 53-man roster I'm just going to promise you you're wrong uh, <laughs> because that thing's going to be moving quite a bit between next you know I mean honestly between today and, or between tomorrow whenever what day is this <laughs> the day after the game and then going into Tuesday's final cuts this thing's going to be fluid so stay tuned to panthers.com for all the latest as we like to say <laughs> And we heard that right from Dan Morgan when he spoke with the media this week. He mentioned, I think, uh, 1,200 was his estimate of names that the scouts have put together of guys that they expect to see, um, you know, kind of out and, and ready uh, to be to be taken, to be evaluated, to be looked at after the 53-man cuts across the league. And he mentioned how um, having one cut-down day is actually pretty beneficial to his process and his staff's process, which I found it to be a very interesting perspective about how it kind of all happens at yeah. once and you don't have to – kind of spin your wheels you have it all happen at once okay now we can look and see where we're going but yeah the all the indications from when we talked to him were that you know they're always looking like he said to upgrade and there's always the opportunity to kind of look and see what they've been evaluating see see what they have um but yeah no to call that I think a final 53 man is a questionable term I think we could call it a preliminary it's the yeah. first one initial so I think initial is good I um think that's good it's the first one yeah. so don't use the final word it's it would be it would you would be a remiss to do that, so yeah and and that 1200 number that's based on 37 dudes times 32 rosters 1184 if you're specific I didn't do long multiplication here <laughs> while we're recording the happy half hour I use my calculator app on my phone 
because that's the kind of modern person I am. So, <laughs> yeah, it's that time. This is a rough week. Um, by the time we talk to you next, there will be cuts, there will be a roster, and we will be on the verge of a regular season that a lot of people are looking forward to for a lot of reasons. But this is a grueling week for all the human beings involved because no matter what, there is a degree of relationship that's built up with guys uh, as you've worked with them for an entire offseason. I've talked to you know, Deshaun Williams and Frank Reich about when Frank had to cut Deshaun in Indianapolis and they end up crying together while they're, you know, having this conversation. And Deshaun was an early cut during OTAs for Frank up in Indy before he got his feet underneath him in Denver and kind of established himself. So it's an emotional time. It's hard for the human beings involved. And I know, you know, a lot of times fans get excited or frustrated with certain guys, but these are human beings. Uh, dreams are coming to an end this week in a lot of cases. Families are going to have to move based on what happens this weekend, and that has an impact on a lot of people, you know, in addition to the people here in the building who have to be the guy who go gets that guy. And it, so it's a hard week for everybody involved. Uh, one of the, you know, one of the unpleasant realities of this business is you've got to go through that process before you get to that 53, before you get to the regular season. And that's the point we're at. So uh, I would ask fans, as you're monitoring next week's cuts online on Twitter, I'm not calling it that other thing ever <laughs> again uh, or ever, period. I am a traditionalist, and it will always be Twitter, just like I tweeted back in the 90s. Um, so as you're watching Twitter next week, you know, have a little compassion for the human beings on either side of these transactions. I know everybody's excited about this, but uh, – Remember the human beings on times like this, too. So, anyway, it is a time of transition. We're almost out of the preseason. As we go into the regular season, what are you most grateful for as you get into an actual schedule? Oh. What becomes normal for Augusta Stone once the schedule is normal again? Oh, my goodness. Okay, so I have to channel kind of what happened to me last season because it's been so long since I've been in a regular schedule. Um, especially like we've mentioned many a times on this podcast and today, but it felt like we never really had an off-season groove anyway, so I've kind of been herky-jerked and all this stuff my way through. I will say I got in this nice rhythm last season of knowing the times that I could go cook meals. If there was a 1 p.m. kickoff at the stadium, I could get home around 7, 8, 9 and cook a nice big meal while watching Sunday Night Football. That helped me set up my week really nicely because I'd have lunch food or dinner food set up for me. So I loved my kind of routine post-game for 1 p.m. kicks. I know we don't really have a lot of home 1 p.m. kicks to start. I don't think we actually have one here until October 1st because we have the Monday game, which I've never done a Monday night game, so I'm really excited about that. But also um, kind of being on the road a lot. But those are those are like the moments that I cherish the most. I really like my... My time in my kitchen, my time, uh, you know, to myself. Um, so kind of knowing when my I'll get my, my self time. I'm, I'm a big self-care kind of girl and making meals and having that ritual is very special to me. So being able to kind of know that I'm going to do that on Sunday nights, you know, knowing when we get into the groove of 1 p.m. kicks, that's what I'm most excited for. How about you? So when you cook food on Sunday night, how long is that good for? What do you mean? Oh, I, <laughs> so here's the thing. I make anywhere from three to four 
servings. So it'll be gone within two days because I do not let things sit very long. I do eat leftovers, but they have to be eaten within three days or I won't eat them. I'm so scared of poisoning myself. You, you know those dates on the groceries are just a suggestion. Oh right? my goodness. I we We talk about this all the time. I am such an advocate for food safety. I will, you ask anyone who cooks with me, I'm having them scrub vegetables and I have a whole process with it. I am so scared of all the food that I eat. I want it to all be pristine. <laughs> Another pawn of big grocery, ladies and gentlemen. It's me. Don't, don't I'm a sucker. I'll don't say be it. like Augusta. Those <laughs> things are just a suggestion. I'm not trying to poison you people. I care about you like you're my family. But that food's still good. No, 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 no. And the thing is, I don't throw out food. I just make sure that I eat it. I will be like, well, you know what? I'm not really in the mood for taco salad, but Lord knows I'm going to eat this taco salad before Wednesday because I'm not going to eat it after Wednesday. Or I can give it to one of my friends in in a kind way of letting them know. I made this on Sunday because most of my friends are like you and normal. I just get very nervous about food preparation. I I can't lie. I love the fact that I am the normal one in this situation. (laughs) I would say yes. I would say yes. I was raised. I love my father. Shout out Jamie. But he is he's just like me. Raised me. Well, to be fearful of my food to make sure I don't accidentally make myself sick. So. See, I, <laughs> I struggle with portion control when I'm making it and when I'm eating it. So a lot of times, like if I make a pot of jambalaya, there's enough for about eight servings. Uh-huh. And my wife will look at me and she's like, you know, there's two of us, right? <laughs> like, no, I don't care. I made this entire vat of food. We have to eat it. And so I will eat, I will eat the leftovers for many, many days. <laughs> Uh, I am not fearful in that same way. I also choose to think, this is my own psychosis, but I choose to think that helps with the uh, with the immune reaction. I, I think I'm building up a pretty solid defense by going with that day five, day six leftover. Usually I don't even question it till it gets to the second week. Just be careful with rice. That's my biggest thing. Just be careful with rice. People don't Google like fried rice disease or anything like it's so scary. Just be careful with rice. If I have any message for listeners of anything, when I realize that rice is actually more scary than you think, just be careful with rice. That's my main thing. I am whew, rice is always going right in the fridge as soon as it's cooled and only lasting a day. I can't do it with rice. There you go. (laughs) And on that note, we should just sign off on this episode of the Happy Half Hour, which, thank God, isn't sponsored by the American Rice Council, (laughs) if that's even a thing. At any rate, treat your leftovers with respect. Treat each other with kindness. We'll see you next week or sometime.